0: Welcome to a refreshing podcast from Life Church. Get ready. The Word of God will be planted into your heart and will produce God's best in your life. Let's get into the Word of God. I'm really excited about what we're talking about. We started last week, we started talking about faith, which is the fight you will always win. And I want you to know that there is a battle that you are in right now. Whether you realize it or not, you are in a battle. And the good news is God wants you to win. He wants you to win this battle. And what is the battle? The battle is for your faith. No matter where you are or what you're going through, what's at stake is what you believe. So when people go through hardships, when people go through tough times, when people go through situations, you know what is really being fought? Your faith. And what the enemy often wants to do is take away your faith. It's to make you believe something different. It's to make you believe something that's no longer, or to make you believe that it's no longer true. So if you believe that God is good, when you go through difficult times, many times the temptation is to believe that God isn't good. If you believe that God has a plan for your life and all of a sudden you don't know what that plan is and you're going through a hard time and you're struggling, what is the temptation? The temptation is to believe maybe God overlooked me. Maybe he doesn't have a plan for my life. Maybe I'm just not that special. Maybe he just doesn't care about me. Maybe a loved one passed away. A parent, a child, someone significant to you passed away and what you Sometimes feel tempted to believe in that moment. God is unfair. God doesn't look out for the righteous. It's vain to serve the Lord. I come, how come I see others not serving the Lord and it seems like life is going well for them? And here I am struggling to pay my bills. Here I am struggling to do the things that I know I need to do. And it seems like life is one big struggle. And then here's the temptation maybe this isn't worth it. Maybe this is not true. Maybe this is not what I should be doing. What I'm saying to you is simple. When you're going through a battle, you have to understand what the battle is about. The battle is for your faith. It's to make you to believe something different. It's to make you to come off of what you once believed. But the thing about battles is that conversely, if you dig deep, you'll even believe even more about the goodness of God. So sometimes Satan will try to throw things to you to get you off course and to make you feel something different or think something different. God sometimes will allow those things to make you become more strong in your faith. And that's what I'm speaking over your life today, that the battles you face will only deepen your faith. The battles you face will only deepen your convictions of the word of God. How many have been through some battles before? some fights before anybody learn how to fight and as you are fighting you learn more about God you learn more about his word you learn more about his truth and you're even more convinced of his goodness let me tell you something right now your faith will be tested you better believe it your faith will be tested but I got good news for you today you will win this battle you will win this fight let me share something with you found in Mark chapter nine So he asked his father, this is a father who brought Jesus, uh, he brought his son to Jesus and and his son was demon possessed, right? And he's wallowing at the mouth and he's foaming at the mouth and he's literally, you know, here's the thing the boy was literally throwing himself in the fire and throwing himself in the water to drown and we don't really look at it this way but Many times, people who even commit suicide are influenced by demonic spirits. I know that's not a good thing to say in this politically correct time that we're living in. I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes people do, see, medically speaking, we'll just say you're hallucinating, right? We'll just say it's a hallucination. That's what we'll say because we have to ascribe a medical term for everything. That's how we go about the world. That's how we navigate. That's how we communicate. But when people tell you that they're hearing voices, it's not always just some medically induced thing. Sometimes it's a spirit at work. you ever heard spirits speaking to you? And you know, okay, I'm not going crazy. I'm, I'm hearing a voice and this voice is telling me to do something that I know I should not do. I know some of you, don't, you don't want to raise your hand because you don't want to look crazy. You're like, yeah, I have. I was in my bed years ago. I remember, and I just kept hearing words. And I'm like, this is, this is strange. Echoing in my, loud. As I know, "No, so, it's okay, this is, this, this is a spiritual attack. Some people who don't have an, un, an understanding of God... They won't know what to do with that. So what they will do, they'll go, and they'll go to a medical professional, and there's nothing wrong with med- medical professionals, but that's what they know to do, and the medical professional will say, okay, it sounds like you're experiencing signs of hallucination or what have you. Take this pill, take this, and see me next month, right? Well, they, they do that, but it's, it's, not, it's not changing. They still hear those voices. I didn't plan to say this, but maybe this is helping you. I want you to understand something. You may be in a spiritual battle where you're hearing voices, hearing words, and you have a responsibility to answer back. But many times, if, especially if you don't know any better, you don't know what to say. You just look at it as this is just part of life. I'm supposed to accept these words. I'm supposed to accept these dreams. I'm supposed to accept these feelings. This is just what it is. But the reality is you might be in a battle, and that battle could be for your very life. It could be for your faith. It could be for the life of your loved ones. And you have a responsibility to fight. Oh, I feel this right now in the name of Jesus. I'm declaring you're going to fight. My, um, I'm sure she doesn't mind me saying this, but my my niece is now in karate school. And, um, but what prompted this is that uh, she got into a fight. And my sister was like, no, no, we're taking you to karate school. (laughs) And, uh, and it really wasn't a fight, really, because she just, unfortunately, you know how kids are in middle school. Sometimes they're just kind of crazy. Shout out to all our middle schoolers. (laughs) But, um you know, she was afraid of this particular individual who kind of hit her, and my sister got mad and said, how come you didn't hit her back? You know, and she says, well, Mom, I was a little afraid. She says, that's it, we're going to karate school, you know? And literally, like, the next week, (laughs) she was, and I just saw it just yesterday. She got her yellow belt now. Now she's excited. And I thought that's amazing how when we face things in the natural, we know what to do. Oh, okay, there's, there's a danger, let me prepare myself for this fight. Oh, this is what I have to do to get this job? Okay, let me do this. Oh, I need to apply here and do this? Okay, fine, let me do that. But many times in the realm of the spirit, I'm going to say this respectfully, we sometimes get stupid. We disconnect from the things we would normally do. And I want you to know there's something to do. And that is opening your mouth and resisting the enemy. I didn't plan to say not one lick of what I'm saying. I didn't. But I, this is for somebody. The Bible says resist him steadfast in the faith. Resist him Resist him. That means you have to open your mouth and say, I resist you. I reject you. I reject that thought. I reject that feeling. That's not who I am. That's not what I'll do. That's not true of me. I won't give in to that. Steadfast. You know what the word steadfast means? Continuously. That means it won't be done once or twice. You might have to do a season of resisting steadfast. And the Bible says that if you resist him, he will flee. This is why I'm declaring your faith will cause you to win always. Always. You cannot lose in Jesus' name. Jesus in Luke 18 spoke about prayer. And the Bible says that he spoke about prayer and he gave a parable that people would not quit praying. This is Luke 18. Why did Jesus speak about not quitting? Because people often quit. People often give up. People often say it's too hard. I tried. I gave it the old college try. And Jesus saying, listen. No, 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 no. I want to give you a parable of what it looks like to never quit. And I'm telling you right now. Don't quit. If you find yourself in a battle, you will win if you fight. Your faith will cause you to win. Amen. Now for my message. <laughs> no, it doesn't surprise me, actually, because I felt the Lord was like, just don't, don't even, um, I don't even have, like, a lot of notes. I felt the Lord was like, just, I want you to talk out of your heart. There's some things I want to share with the people. And so I didn't even give the team, a lot of no I just said, hey, these are the verses, that's it. So flow with me if you will. Mark 9, 21 to 24. So we asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Thank you, Jesus, for your compassion. Thank you that you are here to help. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, and if you look at the original text, it was really an exclamation point at that point. Jesus was putting it back on him. If you can, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. So the father says, Jesus, if you can do anything, please have compassion on us. Help us. Jesus said, no, 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 no. If you can, it's not what I can do, it's what you can do. If you can believe all things, all things are possible for you. Immediately, and this is where I think we are here, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Sounds strange, but it's not. We get that. You ever been in a place where you believe, but you also are dealing with doubts? This is where this father was. Lord, I believe. I mean, I wouldn't have come to you if I didn't believe. But I'm acknowledging that there's a place in me that struggles with doubt. Anybody can relate to a moment like that? Yes, Lord, I believe, I believe, I believe. But, man, sometimes... I feel doubt creeping up in me. I want to share with you a little bit about how to deal with those doubts. But I want you to understand that even in this passage, Jesus ministered to this boy and set him free. So even in the state of doubt, and I'll show you the difference between doubting in your mind and doubting in your heart. But even in the state of doubt, it doesn't cut off the power of God. God can still have compassion for you, and he will in Jesus' name. Turn with me to Matthew 14. I got to stop saying turn with me because we don't, we, don't, we don't have books, right? <laughs> go with me to Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away. He went on a mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came. He was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. Tossed by the waves. For the wind was contrary. The wind was contrary. My God. Thank you Jesus. Jesus told them to go on the boat. I'll meet you on the other side. And what happened? The wind was contrary. Have you ever been told to do something by God? and you're doing it but you face contrary winds forces that coming and sometimes this is where we doubt we think well if god told me to do it why is it contrary to me Why, why why is there pushback why because god told you to do it sometimes when god tells you to do something there will be contrary winds expect that and so that's exactly what happened Verse 25, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost, and they cried out for fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water, so he said, come, and when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. I love the fact that Peter said, if it's you, bid me to come. I love the fact that Peter, Jesus is good. I love the fact that Peter didn't say, Lord, if it's you, stop these waves. If it's you, stop these winds. He said, if it's you, Bid me to come. I think Peter in that moment understood in that moment, it doesn't matter what's going on. I just need to know if it's you. And if it's you, I have the faith, I have the ability to do what you're doing. (laughs) Glory to God. How many believe that you have the ability to do what Jesus is doing? And this is what Peter said. If it's really you, then tell me to do what you're doing. He didn't say if it's you, calm the seas, calm the wind, make it peaceful. No, no, no. I want to do what you're doing. Bid me to come. Jesus said, okay, with your bad self. He said, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw, somebody say when he saw. He saw. Somebody say it one more time. When he, when he saw. Doubt comes oftentimes when you see something. When you see something, when you hear something, when you feel something, when something bring, when someone brings you news, I, yeah, I know, I know you're applied for this, but did you hear? I, I I know that I know that you're gonna take this class, but do you know? Do you know this professor is tough? You know, I know that you I know that this is gonna you know this is what you're believing God for, but do you realize the economy is suffering? I understand that this is the job that God gave you, but did you hear what's happening with layoffs? Doubt often comes in the midst of what you see, and this is why you have to put blinders on. You understand why horse racing, race horses, they have blinders on. They literally don't see the other horses. They don't see the other horses. They have those straps around their eyes so that they can run their race, Oftentimes, the reason why we don't run the race is because we don't have blinders on. We're looking at what's being said, what's being done, what we heard. And this is exactly what Peter did. When he saw what happened, verse 30, and immediately Jesus struck, excuse me, I'm skipping ahead. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Notice, he didn't doubt that this was Jesus anymore. He still called out, Lord, save me. Remember, he said, if this is you, come in, tell me to come. As he's sinking, it's not like he changes opinion about who Jesus was. He said, oh, I thought you were Jesus. Say if you no, no, he says, Lord, save me. What happens? Jesus stretches out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Doubt is little faith. It's not no faith. There are times where Jesus will rebuke people for having no faith. There are times he will rebuke people for having little faith. And there are times that he commended people for having great faith. You'll see three levels of faith often talked about in the Bible. No faith, little faith, and great faith. The doubt comes with little faith. That means you believe something. You believe Jesus said come. You believe that Jesus said go. You believe that Jesus is here. You believe these things, but you're watching and looking and hearing at things that are contrary, so doubt begins to seep in, and that's what causes you to sink. That's what doubt looks like. There's some people who don't believe at all. I don't care what God said. I just don't believe it. Thomas said that. He says, listen, I don't care what you guys say. Unless I see with my hands and I put my hands in his side, I will not believe. In other words, I am an unbeliever in this moment. That wasn't doubt. He He had absolutely no faith. But there are some people who actually have faith. They believe that I'm moving in the right direction. I'm doing what God called me to do. I feel that God is pleased with my steps, but I'm doubting right now. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with doubts? One, you got to start putting blinders back on and turn your attention back to the Lord. I'm just talking freely out of my heart now because this is what I sense the Lord is wanting. Your heart has to be recentered back to the Lord, back to the Lord and the magnitude of who He is. The reason why doubt seeps in is because we're, we're paying too much attention to the things of the natural. When you put your eyes on the supernatural, doubt has no place to fester. I heard the Lord once tell me, he says, don't make a big deal about things. Make a big deal about me. And it was a rebuke to me because it was something small. I don't even know what it was. It was that small. He was like, don't make a big deal about things. Make a big deal about me. And I understood exactly what he meant. When you make a big deal about things, you shrink your faith. You shrink what I'm able to do. When you're rehearsing a problem, rehearsing a challenge, rehearsing what's contrary, when you're talking about the difficulty of school, the difficulty of work, the difficulty of this, you're making a big deal deal about things, and you're minimizing me in your heart. Don't make a big deal about things. Make a big deal about me. My God is greater. <laughs> My God is able. My God, this too shall be. My God can do this also. He did it before. He'll do it again. Start talking like that, and doubts will start to leave. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they arose. Or then those, excuse me, who were in the boat came and worshipped him saying, truly you are the son of God. Take your eyes off of what contradicts the promises of God. Take your eyes off of that. Romans 8, 28. This is what you should put your eyes on. How do I deal with doubt? Romans eight 28. Let's read that together. One, two, three. Do you really know that? Are you really, con- are you really convinced of that? It's working for my good. This is a confession I have right now for myself. Every delay is working in my favor. Every delay is working in my favor. When you have that belief, you don't make a big deal about things. You make a big deal about God. I'm so convinced the reason why throughout Scripture from Genesis, literally from Genesis to Revelation, you'll see dates and years and how long certain, took, how long certain things took for a breakthrough to happen Is because God wants to impress upon you that he is not limited by time. He's not limited by culture. He's not limited by the economy. He's not limited by any natural geography factor. God is not limited by anything. He can step into your world and do the supernatural. He can reverse things that were told to you could never be reversed. He can change things that were told to you would never be changed. He can speed up time. That's in the Bible. He can slow it down as well. That's also in the Bible. We're talking about a God who lives outside of time. He can heal, he can, he can heal expeditiously. He can cause miracles. I mean, there is no limit to God. And he's saying to you, Take your eyes off the natural. Believe that all things, I don't care if it's contrary to you, believe that all things are working for your good. Somebody say all things. things. It's working for my good. If you really believe that, if you really settled in that, it will cause you not to make a big deal about things. In fact, you'll say like Paul, Most gladly will I rejoice. I'll rejoice in weakness. I'll rejoice in tribulation. I'll rejoice when things seem to be contrary to me. Why? I have a firm conviction in my heart that it's all working out for my good. That's how you deal with doubts. Let me just say this for for you. This is going to really help you also. Oftentimes, doubt comes in because we make something too important to us and it allows a fear to creep up in us. So I wanna ask you a question. What's really, really important to you? And, and we can all come up with things that are very important. I'm not saying to you know, let go of those things and don't care about those things, but I want you to go one step further I want you to understand, don't hold on to those things or that one thing that is so critical that you lose sight of the fact that it is God who's holding on to you. God has you. This sounds real churchy and something that you probably heard when when you was a kid, but it's true. God has you in his hand. God is holding on to you. I want you to think about Like, let's just say, you ever see the movie King Kong, you know, and you have King Kong, and he holds the woman, you know, in his hand, and she's like, you know, screaming, ah, let me go, you know, and and he's this big, big, what is he, a gorilla? What is he? Okay, so he's holding her in his hand. Now, God is not a gorilla, but I want you to get a, you know, a visual here. Imagine God holding you. You're this little thing, if you would, precious in his hands, in his hand. And you're concerned about what you're holding on to, what you're trying to grasp, what's so important to you, and you've lost sight of the fact that it is God who's holding you. Think about that. I'm trying to hold on and grab on and reach for, but God is actually holding me. And the reason why I'm trying to grab and reach and hold on to things is because I sometimes think that those things are the things that's going to add value to me when what adds value to you is the fact that you're being held by God. That's what gives you value. That's what gives your life meaning. That's what gives your life purpose, that my life is in the hand of God, hidden in Christ. My life is hidden in Christ. So I don't need to make a big deal about a stumble because it really isn't a stumble when I'm being held by God. I don't need to make a big deal about something being lost because it's not really a loss if I'm being held by God. Keep in mind that God has you. So no matter what you experience in life, It is truly all working out for your good. This is going to bless you. This is one of my favorite passages about wisdom because it's so true. James chapter 1, look at verse 2 to 8. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Oh, glory to God. But let patience have its perfect work. So it's possible not to let it have its perfect work. I want you think about that, because it's telling you, let patience have its perfect work. That means patience is there to work something in you. And if you don't let it have its perfect work, you'll miss out on something. When you think about that, it says, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect. Somebody say perfect. And complete, lacking nothing. I want you to remember these three statements here. I wish I underlined it for you, but maybe you can do it yourself. Somebody say perfect, complete, lacking nothing. This is the picture that God has for you. I want you to be perfect. I want you to be complete. And I want you to lack nothing. When you don't make a big deal about things, but you make a big deal about God, in the end, this is what your life will look like: perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. That needs to be your model right now. My life is perfect. My life is complete. My life lacks nothing. Oh, that, that's the word. Oh, I'm not perfect, Pastor. No, no, that's not what the Bible says. Perfect, complete lacking nothing see what happens is you might have to change your definition of what those words mean but perfect means whole intact perfect means intact strong integral complete you don't need anything to fill you you don't need anything to make you you don't you're not looking for anything to push you You are where you're supposed to be, lacking nothing. You're not in desperation for someone to fill your life with something, for a circumstance to fill you, or for a situation to complete you. No, I lack nothing. So even when you're going through difficulty, if you allow patience to have its perfect work. If you allow it to have its perfect work, that means you're not grumbling, you're not complaining, you're counting it all joy. You're giving God thanks that all things are working out for my good. You're not looking at the things that are contrary, but you're reminding yourself of what God has said. What will be the end of that battle? You will be perfect. Somebody say perfect. You will be complete, and you will lack nothing. Glory to God. Anybody can attest to that? That's some good news. You should clap for that. Perfect, complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. And this is what doubt does. I'm going to speak to you a little bit. Just let me just say it right now. There's, there's a doubt of the mind, and then there's a doubt of the heart. The doubt of the mind is... The, the questions that, that pop up into your mind. What about this? What about that? And that's where the enemy, that's where he does his work in your thought life. And that's where you need to stand at attention and guard your mind and not allow your mind to just be his battle, his field, his playground. But if you're not careful and you allow those thoughts of the mind to just continue to build, they will go from the mind and seep down to the heart. I shared this in prayer, um, I think last week or so. I, I've shared this before in church, so maybe you've heard this before, but I think it's a very powerful illustration how Jesus shared in a vision with Kenneth E. Hagan. He took him to hell one day. He took him to hell, gave him a visitation, an encounter of hell. Hell is a very real place. And he began to explain to him certain people that were, in pri- that were locked up in prison, if you would, in hell. He began to describe their lives. And he came to a woman who was in torment, and Kenneth kind of and asked, what about this woman? What, what, why, why is she here? What, what's, going, what's her story? And he began to explain to him why she's here. And he said, this woman was once a believer but while she was on the earth, she was very very pretty. She was a very pretty woman, a model. There was a day where she had a thought that came to her mind that told her, God robbed you. You could have been a model. You should be a model. How come you're not a model? God robbed you. He began to and then at first she just, you know, resisted the thought, didn't embrace the thought but the thought would come again. God robbed you. Why are you not a model? You should, look how beautiful you are. Look at what your life could have been. Ah, resist that. Let me put that away. But I never forgot this. He says she liked to hear those thoughts, though. So she would entertain that. Sometimes people are embattled with certain things, But there's a part of them that likes it. There's a part of them that likes it. This is why when you exercise spiritual authority, one of the things you have to discern is do you want to be free? Some people do not want to. (laughs) You'd be surprised. Some people do not. Most people do. Most people do. But some people do not want to. And he said she liked to hear these thoughts, how pretty you are. How you could be a model. You should be a model. And then he said this. He says, that thought came down from her mind, shot down to her heart. And she began to now believe it with conviction that God robbed me. I should have been a model. And it was at that point that she decided to turn away from following the Lord and rejected him. He began to explain to him more details about that. When I heard that story, it reminded me of the importance of guarding your mind. Because doubt oftentimes creeps there in the thought life with what you see. You see something, naturally, you visualize it, your mind processes it, it has to produce some type of a thought. That's just normal. That's okay. We live in a world that's contrary to the things of of the kingdom. So you're going to see things. You're going to have to process it. But you must process it with the lens of the word of God. Does this line up with God's word? Is this true? Is this what Jesus said? And if not, you must filter it out of your mind and say, this is not something I accept for me. And that's a process we must always do all throughout our lives. Because if not, it may not be as egregious as I just described, but it'll be some other things that will come to your mind that will seek down into your heart. There's some people, believers, tongue talkers, Holy Ghost rollers, who believe things that are contrary to the word. It's not taking them to hell, but it's contrary to the word. Why? Because they didn't guard their mind. They allowed their hearts to be exposed, or they allowed their minds to be exposed, and they allowed those thoughts to seep down. That's why you must guard your mind. So James, just go back. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. This is what doubt does. It tosses you. It drives you. Somebody say tossed. Driven. This is what it, this is what it, this is what it looks like. You're, dri- you're driven here. You're tossed here. You're there. You're there. Oh, one day it's this. The next day is that. I'm doing this. Now I'm doing that. And you're tossed and you're driven. You're tossed and you're driven. And you're driven. You're driven. You're pushed. You're manipulated. You're yanked. You're not steady. You're going here. You believe that. You're doing this. And the next day it's the complete opposite. Why? Because doubt will do that for you. It will cause you to be tossed and driven. But it ends today in the name of Jesus. He says, don't even let that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. If you see someone who's unstable, constantly unstable, it's very simple to diagnose that. What's the problem? Why are you so unstable? Why 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 is your life like this? Why is it there's never steadiness. There's never there's never peace. There's never calm. Why is your life constantly up and down up and down? Why are you always emotionally up and down? What's going on? It's very simple. You believe two things. Your your faith is driven by two different forces. And it's causing you to take a step here and then take a step there. Take a step here and this is going to produce one thing and then this is going to produce another thing. And then this will produce one thing and then another. That's what it is to look like this. It's because you have two competing thoughts. I want you to know you don't have to live like this. You just have to settle your heart on some basic things. I don't I can give you a million things, but I'm gonna give you a couple of things I already shared with you. One, Romans 8 28, like I like, like like I shared with you, that all things will work out for my good. That means if things are contrary, I'm not gonna just jump ship. A lot of times people jump ship again this way, going here, going here, because it's not comfortable. No, did God call me to this? Did he say come? Did he say go? Did he say stay? But it's not comfortable, Lord. Cool. I understand that, but you said it, and I heard you say it, and I'm going to stick to it. What ends up happening? That discomfort feeling that you felt before all of a sudden stops being, you know, uncomfortable, and you start, you start leveling out. Why? This is what it means to walk out your faith. In the very beginning, you're flying high. You're moving fast. But if you notice, it says that he who waits on the Lord will mount up with wings as eagles will run and not go weary or not faint. We'll walk and not be weary. Think about that. It's the reverse. You're flying, you're running, and you're walking. It's a walk of faith. It's a walk of faith. This is what it looks like to walk out your faith. So wherever there is doubt, all you have to do is center your heart back to Jesus. What? Did he tell me in the first place? That's what I'm going back to. That's what I'm going back to. So I'm speaking steadiness over your heart. Steadiness over your emotions. Steadiness over your progress. Steadiness over everything that God has called you to. You're not going to live like this anymore. Steadiness is your portion. Jesus walked steady. And there was contrary forces constantly coming against him. Why was he steady? It's because he lived his life in accordance to his call, not according to the wind. So when they told him, Jesus, are you sure you want to go there? Herod wants to kill you. He said, aren't there 12 12 hours in a day? Yeah, I know what he wants, but I'm still called to this. Jesus, stay a little longer. No, I can't. I'm called to preach the gospel other places as well. Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. He said, who made me an arbiter? Jesus knew his calling. And therefore, when people try to yank him and push him and tell him, do this and do that, he judged it by the call, not by the wind. God, I'm preaching good. I love that. Jesus didn't make decisions by the impulses of people. And many times that's what we do. Oh, this is a need. This is important. You got to do this. You got to do that. Jesus was compassionate, and he was willing to be interrupted, no question about it. But he didn't allow his call to be put in the hands of people's emergencies. This is why, this is why his friend Lazarus could be dead. And he says, you know what? I'm staying two more days so that the glory of God can be seen. Oh, I'm speaking that we will not live by impulse. And this is where doubt will go. When you live by impulse, you allow room in your mind for doubt to seep in. In the name of Jesus, I speak steadiness over your soul, steadiness over your mind, steadiness in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's lift up our hands and give God praise for the word of God. If you receive that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we will live by faith, not by sight. We will live by faith, not by feeling. We will live by faith, not by opinions. We will live by faith, not by culture. Come on. That's what you need to speak to yourself. I'm going to live by faith. Live by my faith. Live by what God has spoke to me. I'm going to live by revelation. I'm going to live by what the Word told me, what the, what, what, what the prophetic revelation was. I'm living by that in the name of Jesus. Oh, a doubt seeps in? I know where that's coming from. That's not of God. I reject that. A contrary thought comes? Oh, I recognize that. I reject that. Living by faith causes you to win Always and you will always win in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, one of my favorite uh, scriptures as it relates to, to, and I don't like to preach about hell. I don't. I don't. There's nothing fun about it, you know. But there's one scripture that always gets to me in the book of Revelation when it talks about the fiery, (laughs) the fiery furnace and those who were will suffer eternity there. And again, I, I'm, I'm, I don't love it, but it's there. One of the descriptions it gives of, as to people who will be thrown in there are the cowards. That always startled me. Cowards. You would think the murderers, the rapists, the you know, no, the cowards. Cowards, Lord? That's what you care about? And it showed me how important faith is. How some people will deny the truth because they are afraid. This doesn't mean much to you here, but I'm going to tell you something right now. You go to Sudan, you go to people who are really being persecuted for their faith, oh, it means a lot. Where if I say yes to Jesus, it means my family. Where if I say yes to Jesus, it means that I'm excommunicated. It's easy to get saved in America, I'm going to be honest with you. Oh, you get, oh, praise the Lord, I received Jesus. You go to work, oh, I, I, I received Jesus. You might get a strange look, like, okay, you know, but but that's it. You there's certain parts of the world, you cannot be bold without any consequence. I receive Christ. But there's some people who, when they when they look at the scriptures, they have to process it with that prism. That it takes courage to acknowledge and to receive Jesus. And I want to just let you know, you have it easy in this country. You have it easy. Thank God we do. That's the grace of the Lord. Don't feel bad about it. You know how people made you feel bad? Oh, there's people, you know, in other parts of the world that are hungry. You better eat that, you know? No, I, that's not what I'm here to tell you. <laughs> You're right. Everybody because there was someone hungry in Africa? They, they still were hungry after you overate, you know? <laughs> they were still, still hungry. But it is to tell you that in this time, in this place, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is for you, for those who have not yet received Christ. I know most of us are, but just in case one person isn't, I want to give you an opportunity to accept and to acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. It's the best decision you could ever make. Would you all bow your head and repeat with me this prayer if you want to receive Jesus? Say this. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive your Son and his forgiveness that comes through his blood. Forgive me of my sin. I repent right now, and I receive you as Lord and Savior, in Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that for the first time, I applaud you, I just acknowledge you. Yes, praise the Lord. Some of you may have prayed that for the very first time, and I want to acknowledge that, that heaven is rejoicing. This concludes today's message. If you need prayer, want to give a donation, or would like more information about Life Church, visit us at www.nylifechurch.com.